Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Colton Classic Podcast. This is our Games to Film Adaptation uh, episode part two. Last week, we talked about Monster Hunter 2020 by Paul W.S. Anderson with Mila Jovovich and Tony Yaw and Ron Perlman. And if you haven't listened to that yet, Go listen to it, even if you've not seen the movie and out of desire, or even if you've seen the movie and you loved it, or you saw the movie and hate it. You're going to hear things that you agree with and things that send you into a rage. Uh, totally great. Love it. Um, now we're going to talk about another video game adaptation, and I think we're going to have another stellar discussion with lots of different viewpoints. This is Wing Commander from 1999. It is an incredibly 90s, early 2000s movie. Um, and I say that not so much because of the look, although you could probably make the argument, but because of the cast. We're talking Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard, long before their Scooby-Doo uh, uh, duology with James Gunn. Always comes back to James Gunn. So this is interesting because this is the only case I can think of where uh, I'm sure there was there's been cases in Japan where this has happened, but in the U.S., this is the only case of – it's not the only case of me having a mild stroke, apparently. This is the only case of uh, the game maker actually directing and writing the movie of the game. So uh, this is what has happened with Wing Commander 1999. Now, a lot of people were really excited about this at the time. Chris Roberts is the uh, director and writer. The Kevin Droney worked on the script as well, uh, who is the script for a scriptwriter for Mortal Kombat, Highlander, um, the, the TV series, um, and uh, yeah, lots of other '90s TV shows and movies. Now, I'm going to say this: we didn't mention this last time because I didn't want to break anyone's heart. But Paul W. S. Anderson's uh, first video game film was actually the first Mortal Kombat. And while it's better than the sequel, it's garbage, guys. Stop stop being nostalgic about that movie. And before you argue with me, yes, I own it. Yes, I watch it occasionally. Um, but instead, <laughs> watch Mortal Kombat Legacy, or better yet, well, actually, that's pretty good, but watch the upcoming Mortal Kombat film. It looks far better and far more interesting um, because I don't know how you could, how could you make a Mortal Kombat movie without the excessive blood gore and ridiculousness? Um, I don't know. Ask Paul W. Sanderson because he did it. Wing Commander. Wing Commander is by Chris Roberts, who uh, hit both he and some of his family members worked on the Wing Commander game series. Now, these are space combat sims um, that had fun gameplay. They had lots, they, they 
I'm sure we'll see another iteration in the future, although people online are still playing um, Privateer, uh, some of the other spin-off games that are, are now decades old. But what kind of set the game apart was it's, at the time, top-notch graphics, uh, where you were in the cockpit of a spaceship, sort of like a Star Wars TIE fighter vibe, and you shot other things down. Also setting it apart was its cutscenes that were done in FMV. Now that stands for full motion video, and us 90s kids will probably remember that that was all the rage in games for a while. As soon, especially as soon as CDs came out and there was enough storage space to put these uh, low resolution compressed video files in the games. You can actually go on YouTube and other places and find like the whole collection of videos from um, the Wing Commander series, as well as many other things. And actually, it's kind of fun. I like doing it. Plus, Wing Commander got really, really cool people like Malcolm McDowell and uh, Mark Hamill, anybody? Luke Skywalker himself was in these games. So uh, it's, it's interesting. Now, there were critics of Chris Roberts' uh, Wing Commander games um, because some people said that it was essentially a movie and very little gameplay. Um, well, that's why they gave him a literal movie. Uh, this movie came out, as I said, in 1999, probably about four years after the real peak of Wing Commander, uh, 95-ish, 94, to very critical reviews. Um, we'll get into why, but the plot is that there is a, a, a pair of new space pilots uh, working for this sort of like planetary government system. I don't know what they call it, I forget. But it's sort of got a naval structure. Uh, and all of a sudden, a, an alien race has destroyed an important space station and taken this navigation tool that allows them to, that will allow them, guide them to travel through these sort of wormholes to planet Earth's location. And they can then attack and destroy planet Earth because uh, our forces won't know where they're coming from, but they know where they're going, I guess. So that's been stolen, and uh, the big commander, played by um, uh, not Malcolm McDowell, even though that was his character in the games, he couldn't reprise it because he was filming other films. Uh, they gave it to David Warner, who is another great actor and has been in many horrendous films, despite a good acting talent and an amazing voice. Um, but he plays this commander who entrusts the encrypted message that this device has been stolen and that you have to go, this one ship has to go on a mission to get information that can save the planet. It's pretty loosey-goosey. But he gives this information to um, the son of someone he trusted, even though he's never met him. And this son is Freddie Prince Jr. And Freddie Prince Jr.'s friend, Matthew Lillard, uh, AKA Maniac, is Goose from Top Gun. And uh, he's, he's a maniac and he does crazy things. And they go to this ship called the Tiger Claw, which is from the games as well. And this ship then goes into sort of dangerous space to try and get intel that will save the Earth from these aliens. Well, they end up through a whole bunch of hoops and things, um, losing some people, but ultimately they get the device. It doesn't even matter. They get the device, but it still doesn't matter because <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. gets back to Earth, ends up destroying the last uh, member of ship of the advanced fleet of aliens and then the aliens show up and the people know on earth know exactly where they're going to be so the ships keep showing up and getting blown up showing up and getting blown up so earth wins yay if that sounded complicated it is 
convoluted. Um, it also doesn't really matter. We know that they're trying to go here to beat the aliens and then they beat the aliens. It's not important, the details in there. There is a subplot in here that is sort of that a race subplot, which is uh, that there are these, these ancient humans that had been the first ones to travel among the stars. They're now called pilgrims because they're uh, sort of became less human as they became more adept at space travel and they became innate navigators through these wormholes. So they didn't need the mechanics uh, that everyone else needs. And then they were, we don't know the details, but they ended up sort of considering spice themselves. Or metachlorians. Spice or metachlorians. Or metachlorians. <laughs> yeah, I don't think either one. The argument is because uh, Spice uh, from Dune and metachlorians from Star Wars both made more sense than this. Uh, but again, the, the whole point of the Pilgrims is to say uh, Freddie Prince Jr. is special. He's the chosen one. He's Harry Potter. And uh, the, the Pilgrims turned on humans at some point. Some of them have been like spies for the other race, I guess. I don't know what. Um, so they were basically wiped out. And now the rest of like a lot of the pilots and things think that Freddie Prince Jr., who is half Pilgrim on his mom's side, is probably a traitor. And so he gets treated like uh, duty on one shoe. Okay, that's the plot. Um, there is a romance between uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s character and his commanding officer, played by Saffron Burroughs, uh, a very beautiful and talented actress who's been in other things and is still acting. Everyone here is pretty much still acting. Uh, and there's, there's actually... so. I don't hate this movie and I know this is going to come as a shock to many people, but I don't hate this movie. Um, and I think we'll talk about why uh, Matthew Lillard has a big part of it because I personally am a huge Matthew Lillard fan. Uh, Matthew, if you're out there. I'm your guy. I got you, but let's just dive right in. Uh, Jeff, had you seen wing commander before? And uh, what did you think watching it this time? Um, I wouldn't even call this a movie. This is a cocktail. Uh, <laughs> some some movies have tropes from other films and stuff uh this movie is a literal cocktail it is just scenes from other movies uh almost directly scenes yeah, from other movies. very much so um you know you get your little mixing device throw some space in there uh, a big helping a top gun uh you know maybe two parts uh star wars you know yeah knock some, off john williams some, uh some, some submarine troopers. Uh, well, yeah, yeah it, it just is. It's so like um, it, it's so identical in so many ways to like things that we've already seen um, that even I have a problem with it. Um, I don't <laughs> get like probably if you watch the show, I don't get so hung up on tropes because they're there for a reason. I understand why they're there. They're uh, shorthand. They tell us shorthand. what we're supposed yeah, yeah. to feel, and then we can move on. Yeah in this it really it feels like somebody threw a bunch of things together and it just doesn't work um it's just you know tomato juice and gin and you know i don't know it's just some other things and it's just it's gross um i could not get into this movie even a little bit um it just and and i love matthew lillard uh I, I really do. I actually saw another film of his that I've never seen this week. I watched a movie called Match with him and Patrick Stewart, where he's uh, almost unrecognizable at first, uh, and then um, you know I finally read. Oh my god, that's that's Matthew Lillard, and he's great. 
and playing against Pat, Patrick Stewart, which you know is obviously always amazing. Um, but Sir it, it Patrick just, Stewart, thank you very much. Sir Patrick, sorry. Um, My American dad, homie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry, sorry to people out there that you know are uh, are really into the British knighthood. And, uh, <laughs> get into my my uh, space for that um but i don't know i i don't even know how to fix this movie because it, it there's almost nothing here um so, and um i'm gonna throw I a little just, devil's advocate here yeah because i happen to know that you like pacific rim and I like pacific rim, and yeah. i love guillermo del toro he is perhaps my favorite filmmaker of all time yet that film i don't like because literally it is every single thing I've already seen. And he said he wanted to make an anime and live action. Well, why didn't you pick a good one? Um, and Big Robots is great. Big Aliens is great. But half of, over half the movie is not Big Aliens. Um, I think that's kind of what you're getting at here, though, is that the, the screen candy with the spaceships and things isn't particularly strong, especially by today's standards. So I almost like the ships because they were like very clearly not aerodynamic, yeah. and it almost bothers me when you make a space vessel aerodynamic. <laughs> you're just oh, like, why? They're, why? It's space. Why not have a ship that's just a giant fucking Gatling gun? Yeah, just yeah. turn into like... a giant dildo. That's way that way. It makes way more sense. Yeah, sure, sure. We'll do we'll do a couple episodes of Lex someday on here. Um, oh yes. Yeah. So 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 I see that. I mean, I I think. Uh, you're right. I, that was one thing I noticed too. And I think we were all shaking our heads. Yes. This literally has every scene pulled from another film. Uh, as I said, with monster hunter, when we talked about that, I don't think that inherently makes it an uninteresting or unwatchable film, but it does make it, it it's hard to be as interesting as an original film, right? Because not only do have we seen it before, but we know what's coming verbatim almost in, in many cases. Um, Mandy, I seem to remember you not liking this movie. Had you seen it before? Uh, and what is your takeaway having watched it this time? I had not seen this before. I was not even aware of it in the late 90s, early 2000s as being a thing. Uh, I was probably doing far more interesting things like my laundry, perhaps, at those times. <laughs> um, I, 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 I'm going to act like Tad a little bit more here. I fucking hate hated this film so much um i i i recall that i actually um texted all of you telling you that i thought that this was basically the outcome of some kind of incest between some of my favorite films and what it did was like completely like mindlessly slaughter all of the things that i loved about those particular films it, it just it's horrible what was what was one that you were constantly reminded about that you that you didn't enjoy so i specifically got the vibe of starship troopers and star wars through this whole thing mm -hmm. and the starship troopers came from not necessarily any of the major plot elements although some of them are there with like them fighting like an alien race um like that kind of uh like the plot from starship troopers was kind of set up that way um but it was like the kind of like jokey goofy vibe that they were trying to throw off with like the character interactions and like maybe how seriously people were taking some things and like certain attitudes of characters like haven't seen it all like 
their drill sergeant in Starship Troopers. But then, like, the vibe I was getting from Star Wars was, like, the score, like, was all, like, serious, like, symphony stuff like fully scored like serious movie like a movie that took itself seriously and as, wanted as you to Greg take it seriously too somebody doing a john williams impersonation from star wars uh, very much yeah so. and it was just like it's such clashing odds like like the tone of the actors and the writing versus the tone of the scoring of the film like kept pulling my brain in two different directions and it was very uncomfortable and it made me not want to be in that space watching that film well and that's also just as an interesting side note with the soundtrack the original soundtrack was fully composed and rejected by the studio i believe Mm -hmm. so it's interesting i would be curious to see what that was yeah um it's interesting because you mentioned starship troopers which i was thinking of a lot with this too which came out in i think 97 um one thing that that makes us realize right away the 3d effects are incredibly dated in this film even Mm -hmm. for the time um they they i mean starship troopers came out two years before this and and a couple of months after this release came phantom star wars episode one the phantom menace um which uh i don't care what you think of it the graphics are incredible um and so it really is it's very dated in fact it looks like a it if you've seen some of the amazing fan films we've talked about here on this podcast and especially things like star wars fan films and star trek fan films um, this looks kind of visually like a Babylon 5 fan film that had some money. Um, it's it's sort of, you know, the graphics are secondary, which is strange because it sort of relies a lot on these space dogfights, uh, or at least it claims to. Um, I'm going to just go to bat and say that I actually think Starship Troopers is an incredibly stupid movie. And I, Ooh, I dare you. I love that Ooh, movie. I dare you. It's, here's I'm the thing. quitting this podcast. It's from, it's from <laughs> here's the thing. It's from a brilliant Robert Heinlein novel. Oh, and it's directed, I also love the novel. And the they're novel, very different. Very different. Because because the novel of Starship Troopers is intelligent, and the movie Starship Troopers is the utter lack of intelligence. Now, it is. I mean, it is famous for Casper Van Dien. Um, having a career for a day and for Denise Richards um, not smiling that one time. And it's like to, so, so it's very entertaining. Riff Tracks, by the way, also did Starship Troopers a riff. You know, um, Nate, just, just say what you want to say. Just stand for the bugs and just say that, that you, that you love the bugs and you don't care about Buenos Aires. Just I'm, say it I right am now. Angry. I am angry at that movie for having so many great guest stars. Rue McClanahan is in that movie. Neil Patrick Harris is in that movie. Michael Ironside playing the drill sergeant. There are so many great things in that movie and the effects are brilliant. They are truly brilliant. Paul Verhoeven did a great job directing that film. Uh, the uh, Ed Numier did an horrendous job crafting the script for that film and Paul Verhoeven probably did not help. Um, now, <laughs> if, if people don't know, I mean, if you think I'm just being mean, RoboCop is my favorite film. Paul Verhoeven made RoboCop. I am a Paul Verhoeven fan of his work, not his personal life. Sounds like he's kind of an ass, but hey, if you want to be on the defend yourself, Paul, I would love you to come on. I would love to talk about it. I'd love to talk about Showgirls and why you thought that oh, uh, that one oh. scene was good. But again, Elizabeth Berkeley, she's a genius. Love her. Cast her too. But the point is is that Starship Troopers is a dumb film. This film, to me, has more brain than Starship Troopers, and that is 
That is not saying much. No. Third hip um, tubers isn't supposed but, to have but, a brain. But, like you have to take it separate from the book. Like I that radically was just, disagree. It you is, have to. It is clearly, I don't know what they, they bought the title or what, but it is not meant to have anything. Why I'm going to disagree with the novel. is that it's someone trying to direct a satire without understanding that it's a satire. So the script actually but, seems like it's supposed no, to be a satire. And in this case, two wrongs did make a right. It's yeah, it's it's like silly. Like whether fun. or not they meant it's for it to blast. How can you it not is, have fun? It is an inherent it, it, is, it is the dialogue's bad, but it's bad. In it's a bad fun consistently way. and like so maybe not I'm on like, purpose would you but like it to works. know more yes yes <laughs> yes yeah. so it's a terrible film it's <laughs> but it's a terrible film um, and i guess uh, we're just kicking it off of his own podcast yes. right, right. it's a terrible film um let's and also like it, it's just it just reveals the inherent misogyny in the the Verhoeven level of filmmaking as well like the redhead um oh he gets to have sex with her because she's lusted after him forever oh by the way she's dead because now she's useless her vagina has been spent on one time with one person boom they're gone now Denise Richards is available let's move on it's wait just a, a terrible wait film. a minute versus in let's, this movie that we're reviewing right now I was gonna say let's get to like that. the we're, romance we're like talk about... there was no chemistry Ab- no tension I, I you didn't disagree. give a shit when she died because you didn't know who she was really and she's only in this romance to like if she was like breaking the rules but she wasn't getting in trouble for it because like haha she's friends and she's one of the the good pilots like i think it's I interesting that could interesting. not have Sorry. cared less that she died really i actually felt all. like that was the one saving scene so what we're talking about here and that we haven't even gotten to everyone but it's obviously that kind of episode is that <laughs> um, is that we're talking uh, about matthew lillard uh, maniac who ends up having a love interest with uh, Ginny Holder's character, uh, Rosie, who is um, a very chic, uh, beautiful uh, black pilot with this really cool frosted tip, short haircut. Very 90s. Now, I actually liked their chemistry in this way. Now, I agree. There is the script itself in this film. I feel it was any more inspired than the head quarterback or like the quarterback and the head cheerleader hooking up <laughs> not like under the bleachers and getting caught by the principal but not getting in trouble and then like i don't know something Space happened cheerleader gets post- crushed by the bleachers well, sure think- yeah right. that and then they he goes and wins the football game and like i don't know <laughs> well, does they're both trying to one up each other something. right like what they try to do I, I guess you could argue it's not successful but what i saw was is that <laughs> they have this neat one-upsmanship right they're constantly trying to outdo each other and that's the attraction to them is that they're both good at what they do, but they're also like a little bit of a, a, of an adrenaline junkie. So it's a topper situation. She's like, oh yeah, I'm this crazy. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm this crazy. And it's a, it's a back and forth. So what happens is Matthew Lillard is goosing about um, and she actually starts it. She does something reckless and against orders to shoot this ship down that's going to try and ram the big you know, hero ship. Uh, and then he's like, oh yeah. And he goes farther and doesn't fire until it's real close. And she's following behind him because she's worried. And when he blows up the cruiser, it flies behind him and hits her ship. She then crashes on re-entry to the, the warship that they're going to um, and dies in space because they can't leave the airlock, uh, even though they can see her, t- to rescue her. If she survived impact, we don't even know. I actually thought that was really great because that was the one scene I liked in this movie. 
uh, or that I thought was actually, I shouldn't say that because I actually thought the movie was fine. Um, but one thing that I didn't like or that I did like and I thought elevated it is I thought Matthew Lillard's performance in his, when he's terribly upset and he's trying to scream and he's trying to go through the airlock like portal that's keeping the pressure in is that when he's still screaming for a medic and to go help her and trying to get through Freddie Prince Jr. And they're already ordered a, a crew to scrape the wreckage into space. And he's watching her and her ship get scraped off. Um, it's also when I want to say that the medics on this ship are the worst medics ever because they're called three times in this and we only see them once at the end and they are terrible. Uh, I, it made me think of uh, the, the Halo animated series that Rooster Teeth got started with, Red vs. Blue. Yes. He's like, medics are here to heal us. No, medics are here to comfort you while you die. die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably butchering it. But yeah, that's, so that's what it made me think of. But I actually like that scene because it's the scene where the acting elevated the material to actually where it had aimed for, but it was never going to reach. If you actually listen to the words he's saying, it's not, it's, it's irrelevant. Um, but the passion was there. And I liked their relationship because they actually looked like two people who actually liked each other, as opposed to Freddie Prince Jr. and Saffron's character that I didn't get. That was the most misogynistic garbage ever because the movie is one of those where it pretended, it tried. It's like, oh, we're going to be forward thinking and feminist by having females who are better than the males at their job. One's a commander and one is, you know, an ace pilot. But then they're going to get like constantly battered with misogynistic dialogue and enjoy it. That was ridiculous. Um, and it was sort of this whole, like, I just, I was like, this is missing the entire point. It's that whole thing. Like it's the Joss Whedon syndrome. Um, I'm not talking about Buffy, but I'm talking about things like his leaked Batgirl script or uh, Wonder Woman script, whatever, where it's like, he's like, uh, you know, she's a strong character, but he's still going to fall on her boobs. You know, like, it's just, it's that kind of stupid, like you miss the entire point, but also the leads love interests or love story shouldn't have been there in the first place. Um, this is that classic mainstream movie issue um, because even though this film is mostly forgotten to time and I think relegated to cult status, it was an attempt at a mainstream feature. Cocktail, man. You just put the scene you, in there with the, yeah, the people with, kissing at the end. At the end, that's, right? That's, right. Yeah. that's how you make a cocktail. She needs oxygen and she's suffering from hypothermia, but let's make out first. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those. Let's let's move on. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. So oh uh, wait, Greg. one more thing. Oh, you sure? Nothing makes me angry in a film than someone staring like intently at a screen and like programming. Yeah, like hitting buttons world. rapidly. Yeah, that's do a, the thing. Do the, the thing. It's the most exciting. That's that's yeah. another nineties two thousand. Hate, Hate um, it. Yeah. Issue for sure. I, I agree. That's that's one of those things. Like, um, you know, many comedians have done good material on it and lots of bad material on it. Which is, you know, nothing's more exciting than tapity 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 tap. Am I gonna make it? Tapity 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 tap. Uh, it's garbage. But mm -hmm. you know, that is okay, literally in every movie ever. I mean, that is war games. The, the, the couple of scenes of running and then tapping on a computer. So, Greg, what did you expect from Wing Commander, and what do you feel now that you've seen it? Well, you know, as with a lot of the stuff we, we put forth on this podcast, it, it could have gone either way. Um, <laughs> I got to say, though, um, I'm really impressed with, um, you know, what, uh, what Chris Roberts here did with uh, $400 million, you know, and 10 years of time. Oh. 
Oh, know, sorry. Is, I'm, I'm thinking about a different project. Just I think there. it's 320, but you know, the, the only the third most expensive I, I'm, I'm seeing time. 340 and 63 million in external investments, whatever, mm, whatever you yeah, want to so, make of that. Which so is let's, <laughs> let's just clear the air here for those for those who are not game inclined, which is fine. This is ostensibly a, a program about movies. I Chris Roberts has been embroiled in Star Citizen, which is promised to be essentially a living, breathing, entire world system uh, space simulator game uh, that has been in development hell for a gajillion years. I mean, it is up in some form. Like you can you can sign up and pay. You can kind of play, play some things theoretically. Um, but it's it's yeah it's it's like the most expensive game project of all time thus far and it's still just a money pit he's also working on a new game currently so who knows i mean it's just the kind of project that tends to doom studios but because he wasn't using his money i think it really it's, it's not gonna well, here, do anything here's the problem. I, i'm gonna i'm gonna go on a rant here because this is i actually think like patreon and kickstarter and indigo all i think those things are beautiful and in a sense they they allow a small group of people to pay for art that they love, um, which in my mind is really the most elegant thing there is because art that's made for everybody is generally fucking garbage. Uh, you know, which is why we're talking about cult films here and not- Which is why we're talking about Monster Hunter 2020. Oh, sorry, that was last episode. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> but, but, you know what I mean? So, so this is, um, this is kind of where that like, you know, you can actually get it the art that you want. Um, and it creates a way for, you know, a small number of people to fund what you're looking for. Now, Star Citizen is like the exploit to the system that's kind of beautiful, right? It, this is, um, and, and a lot of other games kind of play at the fringe. Um, there's like a lot of stuff with like early access and Right, uh, like you can like buy it bigger. now and play it, but it's got problems or it's not finished, and you kind of understand that maybe it will never get finished. But at least you you know what you're paying for if it's labeled early access at this stage. Yeah, so there's like there's just so much of this going on, and and uh, I think Star Citizen is just like the most extreme. That's like very clearly wrong. This is big studio money, um, and when you have like a big studio money. Uh, the, there's some sort of concept that you're actually going to get like a product for it. Um, and it doesn't matter. basically started out as like, he had like a lot of ideas and he started funding this. I think it was like seven years ago or, or 10 years. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Um, and it just keeps kind of going and he keeps you're talking about star money. citizen. Yeah. Star citizen. Yeah, and uh, without actually providing a product. Um, and whenever you go on a Kickstarter, you should know like you're giving money to something that may never be. Um, and so it is should be you should view it as throwaway money. Um, but eventually Especially like games promises just build up, right? You just kind of like keep adding promises on promises on promises. Um, and this is, I think, is where it kind of gets toxic. I, I think it really that that crowdfunding really should be for small projects um, where a small number of people are funding something that they love or really a person that an artist that they love. Um, and it, and it allows that artist to do work. Um, you know, I think, um, like Patreon Palmer, with a monthly subscription at Colton classic podcast. Yeah. Uh, Amanda Palmer is like, had like a lot of discussions about this talking about how, uh, she had a hard time actually putting her Patreon up cause she didn't want to ask for money from people. Um, 
but uh, I, I and think we here she, at Colton Classic Podcast are Amanda Palmer supporters. Yeah, we're big we're big fans here. Um, but yeah, she like got she you know she overcame that and she realized like you know she's um, basically producing albums for the people that really love their music, um, and it, it allows them to to pay for the content that they want. And it allows people to pay for content for other people that can't afford it. Like if you are a five dollar subscriber to say Colton Classic <laughs> Podcast you're able to give that money because it's expendable to you and you like our product or Amanda Palmer or whoever, and you're giving that money and it's allowing us to give the service for free to everyone else. So you're getting it and you're giving it to other people who maybe couldn't afford. And I agree. It's a great thing. Just as a side note, the best outcome for star citizen and projects like it that get too big for their britches in, and really just end up being money pits of nothing is to release the source code for free because then people who are really interested in fan communities and the video game community is incredible. And so is the film community about restoring cut footage, things like that. You'll see lots of fan cuts of things. Yeah. They will put together something brilliant with the bones left over. So anyway, back to you, Greg, uh, you were saying that uh, wing commander was a movie. Um, yeah, but you know, I'm really more interested in if, if I'm going to give $5 to this, this Patron thing for uh, Colton, Colton classic, you say, what do, what do I get? What can I get? What kind of rewards? I'm glad you asked. If you go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash cult and classic podcast. You can be a dollar a month subscriber, which means that you get uh, an e-copy of a brand new zine every month from our contributors. Those can be things like comics or poetry or film reviews. And if you're a $5 member, you get a real a real cult and classic original trading card. These are super cool and super official and super nicely made mailed to you every month plus the e-zines and if you do ten dollars you get a print copy of that zine every month plus the copy in e-form plus the trading cards so we don't give you uh nothing for your money plus those trading cards are all signed by the autograph i mean autographed by <laughs> the uh, artist and yeah so anyway dollar five dollar ten dollars a month uh enter whenever you want cancel whenever you want we love you for it uh greg i'm changing your name and my phone to greg the fucking sellout Right oh, I, I, I can you make it corporate shill, please? Thank you. Um, now that you've now that you've all skipped ahead thirty seconds in your listening, and we're back to the. Um, I want to talk to but, you about BetterHelp.com. If you subscribe um, to our twenty-five dollar tier, you will get access to Nate's secret OnlyFans. It's true. Oh. I will. You know what? Twenty-five dollars. It's pretty mine, good. You can have whatever you want. Um, my address it includes is, that one time he was on Pants Off, Dance Off. Oh, we're going to have to get into that sometime. I still think about that sometime. Not that I ever saw your pants off, dance off, but the fact that you were on it. I was just, oh my God. I'm like, Approved. oh, the thing with Nate. Remember that time that you did Wait, pants Remember off, dance Fuse off? TV? No? Oh, no one else does no. either. <laughs> um, okay, yes. So, Greg, Wing Commander was a movie, you say? Uh, yeah, apparently it was in 1999, uh, two months before <laughs> Star Wars Episode One, which. <laughs> Like Mandy had talked about, you get some serious uh, inspirational vibes, if you will, in this film from uh, things that came before. Um, but, you know, honestly, um, in the same way as, as some of us thought about Monster Hunter, I thought about this as soon as I picked up on the tone of, okay, this movie does not take itself seriously at all. And it's decided to just kind of pull tropes, which 
you know, I don't, I don't know why in my head this worked better for me versus in Monster Hunter, I'd talked about, I, I hated the tropes. I hated them. But in this one, I was like, oh, it's, it's popcorn and it knows it's trying to be. And at least it presenting that way. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I, you know, it, it was, it was fun. It was goofy. It was stupid. Um, I was, I was in it for the beats, like with the, uh, the love interest dying of Matt Lillard. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think it's because I knew I could walk away and this movie wasn't going to try to be anything heavy. It's not going to kill the dog. I'm not going to no, cry about no. it. I'm going to be mad that I went to the theater. Um, it's not going to try and set up a, a big battle with a dragon that I'm supposed to care about when I, I just don't. And then, and then freeze frame and be like in the next movie in five years, James Cameron. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, it worked for me better as well. I'll go right into mine. Um, but, and I'm just going to say, I think part of it too is maybe where your genre interest lies, because I find that I'm hungry for space. Um, uh, you know, sort of, this sort of space opera this isn't even really space opera, but kind of that vibe we don't get it as much anymore it was very popular in the 70s and we got those really stylized you know gattaca kind of vibes um 2001 a space odyssey and then it was sort of popular in the 90s for a while when star wars was getting worked over um and now i mean we don't even like star wars as tad has said before it's a different beast it can be sort of an amalgamation of things so we don't get a lot of these you know, I only get one Ridley Scott produced alien movie every five years, you know, so I don't get space movies as much as I want. So I'm a, probably a little more tolerant of the content. There's nothing original in this film, um, but there are some interesting performances and I did enjoy it more than Monster Hunter, partly because even though it's stock, the narrative structure is there. It's so stock that the narrative structure is is literally there and you're told from line one, essentially. Um, but yeah, let's move on. Tad, so you were a Wing Commander fan of the games, yes? I was when I was a kid. Um, and granted, I only had a copy of Wing Commander 1 when I was young. Which this is essentially a reimagining of, is what they intended. Yes. Um, and not only that, um, I maybe one of the few people who remembers that there was a wing commander cartoon called which, wing commander academy, academy which was cool it was amazing it had mark hamill and malcolm mcdowell, McDowell. playing voiceovers um it was trying to be as faithful to the games as possible um this was in a time when you know uh space sims were very popular i was also a big fan of the free space series which basically just ripped off wing commander but did it in a cooler fashion um but this movie I was really excited for back in the 90s. We were in high school when this came out and I came back from the theater going, that was weak. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was just weak because I even even though, you know, Wing Commander 1 had almost no plot. Mm -hmm. it, was the, it was the same as this movie. This movie has almost no plot. There is no depth to a lot of the characters. There's yeah. no there's depth plot. There's plot. There's no depth. <laughs> yeah, there's no, like you don't understand why humanities at war with the Kilrathi just these Kilrathi bastards just want to hunt and kill everything you know the games did expand into the Kilrathi but really the Kilrathi are just think of them as the Klingons from original series it's they're just the people that don't like us and we're at war with them and predictably just like in Star Trek eventually humanity comes to a, a, a grudging agreement and eventually a peace with the Kilrathi and then they actually start uh, cooperating because uh, they just when oh we'll just bring in another alien species to create tension mm -hmm. um i too tend to agree with you nate about how 
the whole thing with Maniac and Rose, Rosie? Rosie. I thought that was one of the stronger aspects of it, although I just found it fucking hilarious. It's like, uh-oh, she's black. She's going to die, isn't she? And then she to be, does. To be fair, I will say they actually did a pretty good job of having a multi-ethnic cast or multi-racial cast in here. I will of- say it was unfortunate that there was only one Asian person in this movie and they didn't give her any lines. She just got a couple of featured shots and there was a couple of scenes where they had a lot of like, oh shit shots where I... I don't know what they were covering up, but they have a bunch of people's faces go, huh, huh? Where they just look at the camera worried. Uh, There's a, I mean, that's kind of, a lot of space operas you kind of get, you have to have the vibe that it is multicultural because the idea is that in the future, humanity has kind of put aside nationality and race and all that and went, you know, we're kind of, we're beyond that now. Unless it's a huge plot point, like in Firefly, you know, where China's become the dominant culture, yeah. And speaking of of race- no Chinese- people apparently whedon i don't know what that was about you you get bred out after a while i guess i guess i guess i guess i guess everything becomes white look like white people again (laughs) well when you spend all your time in space and you're not really uh you know you're not really uh getting much sunlight (laughs) who knows i'm not gonna Uh, touch that the 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 phrases of tad do not reflect cult and classic (laughs) podcast um yeah so so i liked that part the best i thought that the romance between freddie and saffron was forced and ridiculous um, it was because that wasn't really a thing in the game at the least so yeah. the, that's the other thing nate you want me to get more offensive watch this pilgrims are basically space jews and yes. that's hard to argue because it follows the same idea not only is a matriarchal lineage but a lot of people don't trust them and they have that whole story of well you know what we got a little arrogant and basically we thought we were touched by god and then we got punished and it, the thing they is, literally is that, use that phrase um yes. he says he said they thought they were gods and then because you find out that the sort of mentor figure um who's actually a a deep undercover like admiral which makes He's like an intelligence agent it makes no sense yeah it's played by um checky cario who i apologize if i butchered his name but you might recognize him he played bob in uh in uh, the original la femme nikita film by luc besson deep bend of the pod uh yeah he he plays sort of we find out that He's kind of the mentor, the 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 bedraggled space captain um, with, I guess, French accent. I don't know, Belgian. I don't know where he, he's from. I apologize. I think that speaking in English really muddied it up a bit. But he chews the hell out of the scenery. But he also <laughs> carries a lot of the scenes. He is, of course, ends up being like revealing that he is a pilgrim, and and so Blair can, um, who is Freddie Prince Jr.'s character, can kind of accept that he is half without and his gift without being ashamed because everyone else is trying to make him ashamed and reject it and so he literally says do you you know he asks this this cap this commodore or admiral he asks uh do you think they were gods and he goes no i think they were touched by gods you know it's literally that line and so it's really and they he they don't have a star of david but they have this necklace that's a, a sort of a sextant cross um that's that they wear around their neck and so it's like there's it's very very it's heavy-handed but i mean it's not a subtle movie so i don't think it would be i think it has to be heavy-handed because the movie's not subtle if it was subtle we would have missed it entirely it's it's um the uh the idea that uh and it's it's that whole triumph of bio biology over technology 
trope that doesn't really make sense the longer you know the longer you look at what what happens in reality is they're like well these people mutated and they can do 10 billion calculations per second in their head and i'm like no that's not how that works and they developed an ai basically as a crappy version of what like, humans be, be careful because you're literally just just deconstructing star wars at this point oh i know i absolutely know <laughs> and that's i mean it's the, it's the same idea it's basically some people spend a lot of time in space and suddenly develop weird powers that nobody needs to explain but they, I, kinda, they just, I actually there. will disagree because actually to me it's making the argument for a uh evolutionary change right they're in space so much they start to get in touch and, and, and innately understand the magnetic fields and forces i actually here's the thing so p the Pilgrim storyline and the idea of these characters, that was not in the games at all. It was um, invented only for this film. Um, and I actually found it to be the most interesting part, even though it was the force, essentially, mixed with Judaism <laughs> uh, or mixed with the plight of the Jews. Because I liked the idea that, oh, this, this species, this, this, they're human, but they have developed special skills from being in space for so long, which I guarantee would happen uh, per evolution when people live in space for a long time they're maybe not in this way um, but it would happen there would be changes you know it's the idea that if someone is born on the moon and lives under moon gravity they're going to be a radically different uh, physical capability and, and stuff so I'm sure it would happen now it seems like it, the, the complicated part is that when you start to think about it if you're like oh that's a cool idea then you start thinking about it then you're like how the hell old are they like what is the how long has this species separation been are they human anymore if that's the case because it would normally take a long friggin time it's the 2600s there's no way you'd have spontaneous mutations like that in the span of a few hundred years uh, unless there's a lot i mean there's a lot of radiation out there that's true to but a lot of it's, a, it's a real it, maybe they got the coronavirus vaccine and it altered their <laughs> dna um and and yeah let's so by the way guys i'm sorry if you're a QAnon believer please don't listen to this podcast and i'm not i'm not just saying that because i disagree with you on every level i'm saying it because you're only gonna get offended because you're gonna listen and enjoy and then i'm gonna say something that is factually accurate and you are going to fly into a vehement rage and unfollow me on instagram and just do it now just get off the pot it's okay you know i, I it's not okay but i mean i'm gonna say that to you because i I'm a little afraid of you. And <laughs> so, so, so back to the point. Yeah. I thought that was one of the more interesting components of it. Um, and I thought that was interesting that it was the one that was added specifically for the movie and didn't exist in the games at all. I also, so, so I think we've covered everyone's thoughts initially on this. I want to say too, something that sort of saddened me about the games and I'm not, I, I played a few Wing Commander games, but I was in no way uh, like a big fan or anything. I actually get car sick with Space Sims, which is a bummer. But uh, you, because the field of vision is so limited, I don't know why I had to add that. Be the games were interesting because FMV was such like a fun thing to see these actors dressed up like they would be in a movie, but on your small screen in things that unless you played the game, you wouldn't see. It was like your own private TV show that you got to enjoy in a very limited way or a very personal way when you put it on the big screen certain things just seemed worse like the practical effects that went into um the uh the what are they called the Kolrathi? what are the aliens Kolrathi. Kolrathi. so Kolrathi are, are like they're sort of feline-esque they're like in the games they're more lionish um and in the movie they almost look like lizardy 
they're very they're very weird they look like um the, the crappy klingons from the uh second jj abrams star trek film I, you're being gen- you're being generous to the because I think the crappy Klingons to the J.J. Abrams films looked more like the Ninja Turtles from uh, Out of the Shadows. But we're getting off topic again. Um, it, they didn't look as interesting to me as they did in the games, which is funny, of course, because this had a bigger budget. I also think they maybe were spread a little thin. I don't know. I also think as much as I really like Freddie Prince Jr. and um, Matthew Lillard and Saffron, everybody in this movie, I actually kind of like. The issue is, is that they probably spent too much money on that when they should have really, I don't know, I mean, they probably wouldn't have gotten greenlit without them. But if they were able to cast small actors, TV actors, things at the time, and then redirect that budget to some of the other, you know, more interesting, um, you know, practical effects and things, I think it would have been stronger. They also really had a lot of ideas in this movie that turns out they didn't get to use. So, for example, and this really complicates the um, parallel between the, the, the plight of, of uh, the Jewish uh, people with the pilgrim thing, is that they constantly say, especially the like, second-in-command of the Tiger Claw, who's really distrustful of Blair, is like, it's a well-known fact that there have been traitor, you know, pilgrim traitors um, who, who've, who've double-crossed you know, the whatever confederation, whatever they call it. Um, and in the original script treatment, in fact, two versions, at least there was a traitor, uh, and it, at one, I can't remember who it was the first time. And then it became the captain who, uh, we presume dies from a head wound in one of the battles, uh, off the, on the bridge. I don't know why he's there in the first place. He's a nobody in the movie. He doesn't really have thing, but originally, I guess at one point he was a traitor. And when they find out he actually kills himself on the ship rather than be than be discovered and that changes the tone a lot in this movie uh, i would feel so i feel like tonally it doesn't really fit with this movie at all um also it makes that clear parallel with judaism a little confusing because you're like okay he's a traitor is he a pilgrim if he's a pilgrim and a traitor then you're like i don't know how to feel about that um so i don't know what the case was but there were supposed to be multiple conversations with the traitor and um, the Kiltari. Am I saying that right? Kiltari. Kilrathy. Hey, okay, Kilrathy. All right, there I you go. Now. Um, <laughs> the Kilrathy. There were supposed to be multiple conversations, but apparently the puppets they were using were just not good and they weren't detailed enough, so they were afraid to show them for a long time. Also, say. They, it says puppets in all the literature. Those are clearly 3D animated most of the time. Am I crazy? They look like questionable rendering of 3D, they don't look like puppets. At the um, end of the movie, when they're assaulting Earth, they looked like animatronic, like they weren't full puppet, like they were people in suits, like Ninja okay. Turtle suits. I wish, because the thing is, I wish they showed us more, because even if they're of a low quality, the green light, it just wasn't enough for me, because they clearly spent money on it, um, and I wanted to see them more. You know, it was a very much a uh, um, uh, fifth element, Jim Henson's the storyteller, that kind of thing. I wanted to see them, but they were not happy with them, and they thought they looked bad, and they probably did. They didn't look that great in green light. You know, look, the, the, it was a very simple solution. Part, part of the uh, allure of the Kilrathi in the games was they had giant ass manes. You know, just yeah, they looked like lions. Put more fucking hair on it, and it would look fine. Right. Um, so it's interesting though, because it kind of shows you. And there was supposed to be like a knife fight. So the necklaces that the pilgrims wear, they have a little blade that comes out. 
which is also a little weird. Uh, <laughs> we're a highly skilled race, but we got a switchblade around our neck at all times. Um, I assumed with the way it looks that it was supposed to be like a navigation tool is kind of how they, because we first see it with an old map. I don't know. But point is, there was supposed to be a knife fight. And actually, I think they did film it. Um, but when they cut the, the traitor subplot out, um, they tried to keep the knife fight in. And, uh, and because it didn't have a subplot that made sense, audiences were super confused. So they cut the whole thing. But you can actually see um, and Freddie Prince Jr.'s character's hand is bandaged. Um, before he goes off on the final successful voyage because he was supposed to be injured in the knife fight. And also, it's a weird thing because when you remove that, uh, you you don't understand why they even show you that the necklace is a knife in the very beginning. Why they didn't cut the fact, why they didn't cut the scene of the knife coming out of the necklace in the beginning, which is like three seconds. They could have cut that scene and just had the the dialogue over it. I don't understand why that, like that's a failure um, that probably comes from someone not having helmed a feature film before. Um, there's just lots of changes. And it makes me wonder how, if Chris Roberts is is really guilty of a lot of the problems with the plot uh, or with the script itself, not even the plot, or if it's um, the, the, the actual, you know, scripter, um, uh, I'm forgetting his name, Kevin Droney, um, who also wrote Mortal Kombat that Paul W. Sanderson directed. So I'm not, I mean, again, when we, when I rip people on the show, unless they're misogynistic or racist or problematic in some way like that and, and hurt other people, I'm never ripping them personally, but I am saying that they could have done better. It's my job as a critic to be clear to you, the consumer, and what is the problem? If there's a problem, there's a problem uh, with the dialogue in this movie. Not only is it, it all the moments in the movie sort of trite and taken from other things, all of the quips and they insist on like putting a button on a scene, you know, with like a quip, they're literally taken from other things and they're, they're generic things. Like I can't even think of one. They're so forgettable, but it's the kind of thing like, uh, I'll see you there. Not if I get there first, you're like, that's not a quip. Don't say it. And it's also been a thousand times. Like, don't do it. Don't do it. First off, if, if, if I, if I say I get there first and you say not if I get there first, yeah, exactly. That's not a quip. That's just saying the opposite thing. Like if one thing is true, then it's opposite is false. Like that is logic. So there are just lots of moments like that. And it's weird to see actors who are good at their job earnestly deliver lines that are the equivalent of like baby food. Like, yeah, you can eat it and you'll survive, but it's not going to be fun. There's no point to it. Like if you have a hamburger and baby food, you can survive off the baby food, but it'd be better to eat the hamburger. You know, like it just, it just fills time. Um, Nathan, if, if you followed Chris Roberts career, as long as I have, you find that he has the same problems no matter what the era is. When he when he made Wing Commander, he was fairly young. He was a rock star, just like uh, the guys at ID and all that. You know, he worked at Origin. Um, he made Freelancer, Star Lancer, and and uh, I believe Freelancer was the one that was a complete disaster. It was exactly the problem that he had with Star Citizen, and it was the same problem he had with this movie, where he either um, overestimated his abilities or he ended up putting his trust in the wrong people. And he's still doing that to this day. Yeah. He's still overestimating his abilities. He's still putting his trust in the wrong people. He still doesn't know how to manage a fucking budget. I think a nicer way to say it is instead of overestimating his abilities, he's, he's overestimating his, 
his the scope that he can manage right yeah. because clearly he's good at something in fact he's actually a very good effects artist as well he worked on star wars galaxies a lot um and so he, he's he's good at what he does but is he doing other things it's like paul davis anderson i actually think he's directed some good films i think he's directing on uh uh um death race was quite good for that movie um, his sort of kinetic cuts worked with an action car movie. But you give him a script responsibility, and I think there's a strong chance he's going to go off the rails. Um, and so it, it just knowing your limitations into it. When I went, I went to Chapman uh, University for an undergrad and a creative writing degree, and I, I love Chapman, but they have, they're trying to compete with the big dogs in their film school. They have a big, beautiful film school, Dodge Film School. I wrote on several teams, mostly uncredited at this point, because I ended up quitting or leaving in sad depression after working on a lot of projects produced by them, because this is what would happen. They wanted to give their directorial students a lot of control because that was something they could do that other schools wouldn't. USC does not give a lot of directorial control. They say, okay, we're gonna pick the project and then a lot of people are going to work on that. And obviously there's only one director or, or second unit. You know, there's, there's limited roles. So you're going to work different roles and you may not get the role you want. And of course, everybody wants to direct. The reason that can work is because you can ensure that some things that are handled well by a good script writer, say, are handled by a script writer. The problem is when you give directors all the power in, say, a school project or any project, they may not be a good storyteller. And the problem then is they may give you a shitty script or rewrite a good script to be shitty. And this is why so many screenwriters lose their goddamn minds. And then they're going to make it bad. And it's not going to show that they're a good director. They could be a great director. But if they turn a script to shit, they're still directing shit. And no one's going to be like, wow, this looks beautiful. Uh, I can ignore the fact that that's literal diarrhea falling out of that actor's mouth. Like, not going to happen. Um, so it's a disservice across the board. And I would not have thought that's true, except that I've experienced it. I cannot tell you, I have a stack of short films behind me that have my name on them that are not my script. And I hate them all. There is not a single one that is good. There's not a single one that is good um, in that stack. So I understand the overreach and the desire to try something new, but there are certain times when people need to, if you're not going to invest the time to learn the ins and outs of a process like script writing and narrative structure, then don't do it because clearly you're not passionate enough about it to make it successful. And that's what happens with a lot of these projects. And that's probably why I, like Greg, didn't mind Wing Commander. I actually enjoyed it. I liked it a lot more than, than Monster Hunter because even though it's 100% tropes like Monster Hunter, at least this one uh fit into the traditional narrative structure so it wasn't as jarring and upsetting to my brain um i also think this is one of those films probably like monster hunter will be it will not be it is not as bad as it has been reviled to be i feel um if you look at say a lot of the reviews it's one of those where back in the day during airing the 1999 reviews are this is you know human waste put on screen yep. uh and now you look and people are like, look, it's not great, but it's not the worst thing in the world. And I think that's more accurate. Yeah, we've had 20 years of extra movies to shit on in that oh, span of time. I, I look, I mean, uh, 
Shark Exorcist could get a sequel <laughs> easier than this one. You know what I mean? Like that's and that's that's a little crazy. Uh, so we are with that. But I, I think Mandy's right. The the misogyny in this is that kind of insidious misogyny that we got a lot of in the 90s and 2000s, where it's like by putting women there and then acknowledging that they're powerful does not detract from the fact that you don't actually give them any true success at stakes. Like they're still props. Um, and this movie is super guilty of that. Uh, I don't, I don't, it doesn't seem to be mean spirited, but again, it doesn't matter. Was Song of the South intentionally mean spirited when Disney created it? I mean, probably not. Uh, maybe, maybe it could totally have been, but even if not, it doesn't change the fact that it's offensive and damaging as a stereotype. So it's just, you, it, it's not a, it's not an excuse, but um, you know, it's also not the end of Ace Ventura where they're beating up a transvestite. I mean, I, I don't like it's, you really, you, I guess you got to pick and choose your battles, right? This is one of those episodes where basically the movie is so milk toast that we're talking about anything but the movie. That's, that is an absolute correct assessment. Um, it is very blank. I will say if you like, if you like Starship Troopers or much lesser known um, uh, Journey Absolution uh, with Mario Lopez and uh, Jamie Presley, who I adore, uh, then you'll like this. Um, it's, it's got, I, some of the reviews were weird though. I was looking past through like, you know, big, big name reviews in the, the newspapers, New York Times, et cetera. And they were like, the, the, bad, the bad script and drama, sophomoric drama detracts from the stellar dogfights. I did not find stellar dogfights in this movie. I actually thought that the space battle was very limited. Like you just don't even see it that much. I also am fairly sure that there's some interesting scenes that were cut based on the trailers. I think that at one point, I think Matthew Lillard is firing from like a spinning globe of some kind that is not in the film. I could be completely imagining that, but uh, it's one of those things where I would love to see some- I would love Because to it see was Arrow. on the Millennium Falcon. Millennium Falcon. Is that possible? They have a the gunner. Least, the, yeah, that's, that's it where it was time. instead of in this film. No, but very similar, right? Um, I, and and so when I saw the ships, I was like, oh, this isn't. There's something. There's a disconnect here. So I would love some. I don't know who has the rights to this because I'm sure the rights probably reside with whoever owns the rights to Origin, which, while gone, is still a fantastic game company. Crusader No Remorse piece. Um, wherever those are i would love for something like arrow video or one of, or even kino labor somebody who deals with restoring these i would love to see a special edition re-release come out <laughs> how about a 4k transfer that's crazy and see like all the cut deleted scenes and everything i would i would really like to see that because i'm not saying it would make it a great movie i really doubt that's in the cards but it would be interesting to see the translation from the original vision as film to this relatively, relatively inoffensive uh, 90s flick that would run and probably did run. In fact, I think it did run on TNT or USA like a hundred times a day for a while. Uh, yeah, so I think that's, I think that's, we're gonna move on to the recommendations because I think that's about it. Mandy, I think I know the answer to this, but would you recommend Wing Commander 1999? And if so, why and to who? I mean, uh, not really gonna recommend it. I would, they try for something else but you've probably seen them already like Starship if you're troopers exactly um or star wars like which I, I don't know or any of the other ones that we mentioned but like i mean it's not like 
offensive like it's not offensively bad it just didn't work for me just like how many people mentioned that the monster hunter movie didn't work for them yeah i mean uh, it, it's, it doesn't have doogie hauser uh anal probing a giant space tick it does um, not so it does not that's my sex fetish right there yeah um yeah it it doesn't and what movie is complete without that uh, you know would you like to know, know more wing commander it doesn't it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't. yeah <laughs> so i mean like uh, it's again it's another popcorn movie both of these have turned out to be very popcorn movies uh if you want to scratch that space movie itch like nate does like go for it like i it just wasn't for me like maybe if i'd watched it the day before when i was really needing a movie like this I would have been excited and then I would have hated Monster Hunter. I don't know. Like That's Greg fair. says, it could have gone either way. It's just for those of you, if you haven't listened to the first part, go listen to it. But also, um, it's interesting because I think we are 180 flipped uh, yes. between this and Monster Hunter. I think everyone um, thought Monster Hunter was fine, except for, was it me and Tad hated it? Me and, me and, and then almost 180 flipped. And then uh, for this film, everyone but me and Greg hated it. Um, and and i think it's interesting because it does show how much comes down to personal preference or subject matter like what mm -hmm. are you looking for in a film so that's something to think about whenever you i mean most people who listen to and consume cult content um or just interested in different thing films and books and whatever that they haven't seen before or weren't aware right. of you know already to be cautious with believing critics that's why i don't like to do usually straight yes or no see it or don't see it they're very rare cases the reason is is hey if i'm looking for a popcorn movie i'm not gonna see the boy in striped pajamas it's gonna be a bad night um likewise if i'm looking for you know an utterly brilliant if i'm expecting you know uh, uh the korean amazing masterpiece parasite and i go see white chicks i'm not gonna be happy you know like it's it's i mean to be fair i'm not sure i'd be happy at all but that's you know, seriously, <laughs> go see White Chicks. I don't know. Um, I, I didn't see it, to be fair. But that's the case with, with critics. So, all right. Uh, I think yeah. that's true for so much of what we talk about is sure. expectations and preference. With that said, Monster uh, Hunter 2020 is a bad movie. And I, <laughs> I didn't well, enjoy I, it. I'm here to tell you why everything Nate says is wrong. That's, exactly right. that's why I have Jeff. Finally, here. finally, Jeff here. finally, yeah. somebody will actually yeah. stand up to this guy who just talks incessantly. <laughs> God damn! Shut up, bro. Uh, All right, Jeff. Jeff, would you recommend Wing Commander 1999, and if so, why? No. So here, so I agree with. There's like a lot of tropes in in Monster Hunter, but Wing Commander is a different thing. It's a cocktail. It has tropes from bunch of different genres thrown into a thing it doesn't work it's totally a mess because none of the characters seem to give a crap about what's going on they're not like they don't seem to have any sense or relationship with the stakes because they're in top gun every single one of the characters is in the film top gun then all of like the you know like the bridge scenes are really serious and in star trek or star wars or some other space opera thing. Let's go Battlestar Star Galactica. Just I don't, don't think they're reaching that level. And it <laughs> makes a foul tasting concoction. 
it just, I just want work. everyone to know that what Jeff's doing is he's simulating he's simulating mixing two things together in a pot. I'm doing not, middle out. Not giving, <laughs> not giving uh, 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 hand jobs to two gentlemen. So it I, doesn't it, like middle out. It's it just doesn't it doesn't make a connection. All right. And don't watch it. Okay. I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna this is this is the thing. Uh, I often disagree with Jeff on our films. <laughs> not a hundred percent. Because the thing is it's funny, both of these movies are not great films. I no, neither of these should win really awards, I think, at all. Even for effects. I really don't nope. think they deserve those. Um, however, I do think that it's one of those cases where which was least offensive to me, and I found Monster Hunter brutally offensive. I didn't find Wing Commander offensive. In fact, I was a little relieved. Um, oftentimes when we watch movies that I haven't seen before, even though I pick them, I pick them because of the thematic links and because it's interesting, especially because I know a lot of you listeners are interested in filmmaking itself and storytelling. It's interesting to pull them apart, see why they work, see why they don't work. Wing Commander is, like Tad said, milk toast. Like Mandy said, inoffensive. Um, like Jeff said, it's an amalgamation of a thousand things we've seen before. Um, so it's sort of like it would be a well-done television movie on sci-fi channel you would actually probably be surprised You're like whoa there's actually a plot in there i mean yeah i've seen it before but i was a little surprised um but on the big screen i can see this being a big disappointment um let's go to greg greg i think you're last on our list right would you recommend wing commander and if so why i know tad i know you're still there uh, yeah, yeah, I would. Um, but you know, I think I think uh, we've all brought up some really solid points. So I will um, add that addendum. I'm going to recommend it to other people like me, straight white males. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it. There's not many of those. I mean, we're we're far and few between. I know, but there's a couple films out there for us. Maybe if we Maybe, get some more and, of them in power, we'd have some more movies <laughs> like Wing Commander. <laughs> but yeah, um, but you know, I'll I'll add the addendum of you know. If you if you aren't looking for this, um, try Alien. You know something that famously you know created the Bechdel test, um, mm -hmm. more or less. So yeah, I'll say that um, the reason why I would recommend this is um, I I might have told you about this, Nate, but a couple of years back I tried a film challenge where I took a year to watch 365 films I'd never seen ever. Mm -hmm. um, and I learned a lot about what I like in film in that year. And what I like <laughs> is something something that basically it, it just needs to pass this very low bar of I'm not bored. Um, yeah. I think Spaced Invaders was probably my least favorite film of all time <laughs> from that year. Very boring fucking film. That aside, this, this, this leaps the bar. And so did Monster Hunter. It leaped the bar of, you know what? I'm entertained. It didn't overly upset me or try too hard uh yeah it was it was good enough and it was fun and stupid and now i'll never think about it ever again i like i like your your whole thing greg i think that's a smart thing it is that bar and i think people who, like us who watch a lot of movies and even those who don't in fact people who watch very few movies tends to have that same bar right if i'm entertained and i'm not bored i'm okay um, I also want to say Space Invaders, huge disappointment, but the movie Personal Space Invaders by friend of the pod, Adam Riot Thorne of riotatthemovies.com, totally worth it. Believe it's online on YouTube. Go check it out uh, and check out riotatthemovies.com, deep, deep friend of the pod. Tad, would you recommend Wing Commander? And if so, why? 
that's all I'm, the time we have today. Thank you. I'm just kidding. Fuck you, kid. Um, the reason, uh, God, I got ahead of myself. Um, I would not recommend this. And the primary reason I wouldn't recommend this is not because of the, the qualities that the movie has or doesn't have. It's because it's time has passed. Wing Commander was a product of the mid 90s. Um, all of us are now approaching our 40s or already in our 40s. Ugh. There is probably not going to be a Wing Commander resurgence in 10, 15 years. Um, and let's let's put a quote on that. I will, uh, I don't know, do something ridiculously stupid and change my review. If there is miraculously, if, if Chris Roberts somehow resurrects- The Kickstarter is going up tonight. Shit. If, if, if he somehow resurrects the, the Wing Commander franchise, I will, I, I will rescind this review. But basically, I can't recommend it because who the fuck cares? All of us are now grown. We've moved past it. There's not going to be another Wing Commander. And fuck it. And, for, and because of the theme of the past two episodes, I would say, alternatively, go watch Event Horizon because it's one of the few good Paul W. S., uh, Paul w. S. Anderson movies. But two, it's also sort of in the video game vain just because of the fact that it, it was heavily inspired by doom and inspired dead space which are both great games the movie itself is weird and it's one of those things where you see the spaceship design and you see it's very weird and unsettling and it's uh, it in the universe it exists it probably makes sense whereas as jeff points out it doesn't make fucking sense to make things aerodynamic in space right the event horizon ships weird looking and it should look weird <laughs> fair um i would say that uh yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I Like I said, I enjoyed this movie for what it was, which is a popcorn movie and not much else. And you kind of like go roll your eyes at some of the ridiculous parts. I think um, uh, the the love story between, it's not even a love story, but the moments between uh, Maniac and Rosie, I actually find them quite sweet. Once they connect, it's actually really cute. Um, I thought they were the, the best moments of the film. Um, Freddie Prince Jr. is inoffensive. I mean, he doesn't, he, he's not a bad actor, but he's always had that baby face. Um, so he, he's kind of, he always, he seems to always play the freshman kid, you know, the, the guy who's friends of bro, but he's actually nice. Um, that kind of character, of course, he's perfect for Freddie in, in James Gunn's Scooby-Doo movies. And also just a side note, uh, friend of a friend story, he and Sarah Michelle Gellar, his wife, also friend of the pod, and there's a poster of her in his room, his character's room in this movie, That's just, which is cute. Of course, uh, he is. They they have a house, or at least they had one. If I don't know if they still do, at Lake Winnipesaukee, I believe, in New Hampshire. And a friend who worked at the cable company got a call, and she was working. She's like, "Wow, this guy's really nice." Like a lot of people who call are really angry when there's a problem. He's really nice. <laughs> and then she ended up looking, and then realized as she pulled up his account that it's like, "I'm sorry, are, I shouldn't ask this, but are you Freddie Prince Jr. The Freddie Prince Jr.?" He goes, "Well, yeah, I am." And he had like a full-fledged conversation with her for no reason, like just because she was a super fan. And, um, and I thought that that was a really cute story. So I wish the uh, Sarah Michelle Geller family the best and all that jazz. But let's go to my review. Uh, I do recommend this. If, you, if it sounds at all interesting, popcorn movie, it's great. Again, if you've seen the movie Journey Absolution um, with, with Mario Lopez and Jimmy Presley, then which by the way is also on Rift Tracks. That's an interesting one I forgot. Go ahead and watch this movie because you'll probably enjoy it if you made it through that. Um, if you want something that's much more entertaining, also a popcorn movie, lots of stuff to look at, and you like the fifth element, Luc Besson vibe, watch Valerian. Uh, 
not a brilliant movie script wise um it is taken from a really cool french comic they tried to condense a whole bunch of plot points together so it's not perfect but the the design is stellar um cara delevingne is beautiful and amazing and in it uh and everyone's it's it's fun to see rihanna do her little bit and yeah it's a fun movie it's not you know Go in it with popcorn and you'll be entertained. Also, when you start Valerian, I think most people have failed this. It's it's a murder mystery. Enjoy. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, uh, if you just go in without expecting anything, you'll probably be entertained. <laughs> you have to either one or two. If you expect it being like a hyper action, uh, sexy romp, which is a weird way that they tried to like, I don't know. I guess how it was it, marketed. I guess because it was marketed because because there were some serialized bits of it uh, or from the artists in heavy metal before. Uh, shout out to heavy metal, love you guys. Yeah. So anyway, that's my recommendation. That's all of our recommendations. That is it for this episode of Colton Classic Podcast, the Game to Film Adaptations Part Two. Go ahead and listen to Part One if you haven't. Uh, to play us out, as always, is the Chud with All About Evil. And uh, again, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, especially Apple podcasts uh, or itunes because that helps people find us and if you leave a review when it posts send us a screenshot to colton classic podcast at gmail.com or to our facebook or instagram at colton classic podcast and we'll send you free stuff in the mail i'm telling you totally free i don't care where you are in the world hope you guys have a great day and enjoy hey everyone thanks for listening to colton classic podcast this podcast is important to me but what's more important are the rights privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com, where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.